Before we get started with this episode, I'm going to be talking about different locomotives using slightly technical terms. I'm going to talk about narrow gauge versus standard gauge, and I'll use the white notation for describing locomotive types with terms like 2A2 and 2A0. If you'd like a quick primer on the meanings of these terms, we have a podcast episode called The Two Types of Railroads into the Gold District that talks about track gauge, and another called The White Notation Method of Classifying Locomotives that talks about the numerical designations I mentioned earlier. I'll put links to those episodes, including links to iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts in this episode's webpage. One more quick note. I'll refer to the term tractive effort throughout this episode. Tractive effort is the force in pounds exerted by powered equipment as a locomotive as measured for statistical purposes at the rim of the driving wheels. That, by the way, is from Merriam-Webster. Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In this episode, we're exploring the Denver and Rio Grande Westerns engine 499, the railroad's K37 class engines in general, and the conditions within the Denver and Rio Grande Western that led to their unique creation. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. April 20th, 2013 was a cold and cloudy day at Royal Gorge. Snow was still on the ground in places, and a steady but light breeze cut into exposed skin. I was standing in front of the display of the Rio Grande engine 499, wondering how I was going to take a picture of it. It was behind a short fence with a sign telling people not to cross it, so my options were restricted. I had my Nikon D800 with 50, 35, and 24 millimeter prime lenses. The 24mm Nikkor AIS was a fully manual lens, and in the end, it's the one I chose for the first locomotive, and train in general, picture I ever took. The wide angle made the engine feel like it was bearing down on the viewer, and the darkly cloudy sky almost gave a malevolent feel to the whole scene. To this day, it remains one of my favorite pictures I've taken and it now hangs proudly in my house, a 24 by 36 inch print in a beautiful exotic wood frame my sister specially made for it. Unfortunately, in June 2013, wildfire swept through the Royal Gorge Park. While the locomotive and its tender survived, the doghouse on top of the tender was burned away and the caboose was a total loss. In the last several years I've been doing the Stories from the Midland podcast, it's never occurred to me to research engine number 499. But with this episode, that's going to change. The Denver and Rio Grande began laying narrow-gauge track to penetrate the Rocky Mountains in 1871. By 1881, the D and RG reached just about every productive mine location in Colorado and into New Mexico and Utah. In 1881, the railroad began to convert tracks between Denver and Salt Lake City to create a standard gauge line between the two cities, creating the main line. Engine 499 began its life as a standard gauge 280 consolidation built by Baldwin Locomotive Works for the D&RG Railway, and it began service in 1902. 
But over the next 25 years, the railroad would deal with financially turbulent times, leading to sometimes drastic actions in order to survive and improve service. Beginning in the late 1880s and into the silver mining crash of the 1890s, the D&RG found itself in financial trouble. One of the results was that, for the next several decades, the railway didn't purchase any new narrow-gauge locomotives to serve its still-existing narrow-gauge tracks. But those tracks still saw a lot of traffic, especially considering they served areas where oil had been recently discovered and was being developed. Finally, in 1903, the D&RG ordered 15 narrow-gauge 282 locomotives to provide service to these high-demand areas. These were the first outside frame locomotives, locomotives with their structural frames outside the driving wheels, for the railroad. The outside frame construction meant that the locomotives could be larger and heavier than narrow gauge engines of the past. From this point forward, all newly ordered narrow gauge D and RG engines would be built on outside frames. The next new locomotives to serve this purpose would be ordered 19 years later with less expensive used locomotives bought to fill in during the intervening time. This was brought on because of additional financial problems, a lot of which were created when the federal government took over the country's railroads for World War I. The federal government demonstrated its normal lack of agility in its administration over the railroads, becoming a primary cause of the death of the Colorado Midland and it drove the D&RG into receivership and eventually into foreclosure proceedings. The feds abused the railway badly without providing for its maintenance and repair. After World War I and the direct control of the federal government over the railroads, the D&RG had to put a great deal of effort into its recovery. But despite all of the problems brought on by federal control, the D&RG's commercial traffic levels began to rise. In October 1924, the Denver and Rio Grande reorganized as the Denver and Rio Grande Western. The railroad began to aggressively improve its entire rail system, both narrow and standard gauge. Back in 1922, as the D&RG was dealing with the looming foreclosure, the feds ordered a major improvement of the rail lines. Part of this was the purchase of 10 282 Mikado locomotives. They again were built on outside frames. These newer, faster, and more efficient locomotives convinced the railroad's management that similar but more powerful locomotives would benefit the railroad's bottom line. The result of this was the purchase of 10 more 282 outside frame narrow gauge locomotives in 1925. The newly reorganized D and RGW designated these engines as the K36 class. The K was shorthand for the 282 or Mikado configuration and the 36 signified the engine's 36,000 pounds of tractive effort. The railroad announced that with these new locomotives, the D and RGW would begin to retire its older and less efficient 280 narrow gauge engines. But narrow gauge traffic continued to increase and more locomotives were needed. The D and RGW decided to build the new engines itself and began the process of backward engineering the K36s. Now the railroad needed to build its new locomotives and it turned to its aging fleet of standard gauge engines for materials. 
Among these were six 280 locomotives originally purchased in 1902. When the D and RGW reorganized, they reclassified these locomotives as C41. The C stood for consolidation, the nickname given to the 280 wheel arrangement, and the 41 signified the engine's 41,000 pounds of tractive effort. Using the designs they gleaned from backward engineering the K36 engines, including the outside frames, the D and RGW's Burnham shops located just south of Denver disassembled those six 280s and from them built their new locomotives. They started with a new 282 narrow gauge outside frame that was provided new wheels, axles, and other accessories. Onto this, they added the old 280 boiler, cab, and other components as well as the tender retrofitted onto a narrow gauge frame. This became the D&RGW's Class K37 engine, again with the K signifying the Mikado, or 2A2, wheel configuration, and with the 37 standing for the locomotive's 37,000 pounds of tractive effort. Initially, six were completed in 1928 and numbered 490 through 495. Once built, the locomotives were tested and then partially disassembled for transport to Alamosa about 83 straight-line miles southwest of Pueblo. At Alamosa, the engines were reassembled and provided the final checks and services needed to put them into operation. And you know what? The K37s were a success, and four more were built by 1930. Those new four were designated engines 496 through 499. They would be the last and largest locomotives built to serve on Colorado's narrow-gauge railroads. Among its fellow K37s, Locomotive 499 started its service life running between Alamosa and Durango over Combres Pass. K37s would go on to also provide service between Salida and Gunnison, as well as on the Crested Butte, Monarch, and Farmington branches. Taken in September of 1949, a picture of the 499 hauling the Rocky Mountain Railroad Club Special up Poncha Pass out of the San Luis Valley can be found in the Denver Public Library's digital collection. This train was scheduled for railroad enthusiasts from Golden. It was advertised as starting in Salida, traveling over Monarch Pass, and then to Villa Grove in the San Luis Valley, and then returning. Based on this information and referring to an old D&RGW map, it appears that the train departed from Salida, turned westbound at Poncha Junction to go over Monarch Pass, and then turned around once it reached Monarch. Then when it again reached Poncha Junction, it turned south to head over Poncha Pass to Villa Grove before returning to Salida to end its trip. Tickets, by the way, were $5 per person and everyone was encouraged to pack their own lunch. Now this suggests to me that by that time, engine 499 was stationed out of Salida to run the Salida to Gunnison route or the Monarch branch and had been specially tasked for this excursion. The 499 was finally retired in 1970. It sat unused at the Alamosa Roadhouse until it was sold to the Durango and Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad in 1981 for display purposes. In 1999, it was traded over to the Royal Gorge Park as an exchange for their K36 engine number 486. 
It was placed on display just south of the park's parking lot overlooking the Arkansas River. The static display was made up of the locomotive, its tender with doghouse on top, and a caboose. But on June 11, 2013, a wildfire started outside of Canyon City and spread into the Royal Gorge Park, burning about 90% of its land. The park was forced to announce an indefinite closure, but it opened again in 2015. And though the caboose and the doghouse on the tender were lost to the fire, the engine and the tender itself survive and can still be seen today. Thank you for listening. This is Tommy Allen wishing you a great day. And should you find yourself looking for the ultimate example of recycling, the C41 conversion to the K37 should do the trick. I look forward to having you join me next time for more Stories from the Midland. References used and links to associated episodes can be found on this episode's webpage. Visit storiesfromthemidland.com slash podcast. This train was scheduled for railroad enthusiasts. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds friendlier, I think. <laughs>